Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, usually only about 13 or 14 minutes long, but it keeps us in God's Word, and that's important for us because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We always, Romans 10 and verse 17, we always encourage you, share these short studies with everybody you can. You know people in your life who need to grow in their faith, who need to come closer to God, who need to start thinking about their soul's salvation. Help them by getting them into God's Word through these studies. You can share through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But make that commitment and start sharing today and every day. <clears throat> We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. We're talking about God's grace, but we're really looking at it from the perspective of Jesus Christ being the fulfillment of God's grace. Now, we've read Romans, I'm sorry, uh, John chapter 1 and verse 17, where John in his gospel account, he, he says this, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, there are a lot of people out there supposedly teaching Christianity, and they're saying that there, there is no law. Basically, there is no law. Now, I don't think they even believe that. I don't think they're really thinking, things, thinking that statement through carefully because they don't really believe there is no spiritual law. They're saying it's, it's, it's grace. It's grace. We're not under law. We're, in, we're under grace. Not under law, under grace. Well, we demonstrated. We looked at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, and it talks about what is the understanding or definition of sin. It is lawlessness or transgression of the law. Hmm. Well, how can there be transgression of the law if we're not under law? How can there be sin if there is no law? Because sin is lawlessness, and that means... <laughs> Again, breaking law or transgression of law. Also, Romans 3 and verse 20, by law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 5 and verse 13, sin is not imputed where there is no law. And Romans 7 and verse 8, without law, sin would not exist. Law must exist for sin to exist. So if someone says, well, under the Old Testament, the people of God were under law, but Christ brought law to an end, and Christ is grace. Christ brought God's grace. We're not under law. We're under grace. Well, then how can there be sin? And none of those who would teach such a thing would deny that there's sin in the world, because it's all around us. It's obvious. In fact, while they teach that we're not under law, we're under grace, they're teaching how to be forgiven of sin. <laughs> well, again, so you have to really look at the bigger picture of what the scriptures teach. If there is no law, there is no sin. That's, that's what we need to understand. And if there is no sin, then there's no condemnation or need for forgiveness. And if we don't need forgiveness, then What's the need for grace or a savior? See, these are logical questions in response to the statement of many who are teaching that we're not under law, we're under grace. Now, did Jesus bring some law to a close? 
Yes, he brought the law of Moses to a close. The Old Testament law of Moses, which was God's law for the Israelites, he brought that to a close when he came and died on that cross. And at that point, he was, or God was initiating or bringing into being the New Testament law of Christ. And we see that particular statement a number of times in the New Testament scriptures. But now, again, if, if, if you're trying to separate or if somebody's trying to separate law from grace and they say, well, yeah, Old Testament, that was law. They were under law. We're not under law. We're under grace. Well, again, we've seen that's, that's wrong. That is absolutely incorrect because, as we noted in numerous scriptures here, without law, there's no, there's no sin. And yet we see sin all around us. And we're instructed to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. Jesus told a Christian man, Ananias, to teach Saul of Tarsus, who had been an enemy of Christ and an enemy of Christianity. And Ananias came to him and said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of Christ. Acts 22 and verse 16. There's no question. And, and, and again, the apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if there is no law, then there is no sin, and there's no need for Paul to make that statement because it's obviously a warning. The wages of sin is death. Well, if, we're, if there's no sin, and if there's no law, there's no sin, because sin is not imputed where there is no law, then there's no need for Paul to make that statement. But again, even those who teach that we're not under law, we're just under grace, they don't believe that there's no sin. And yet they apparently have not understood fully what those verses of Scripture mean that says there is no sin where there is no law. We're under law. We illustrated that by going back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, when God told Adam. Now, this was long before God gave Moses the Old Testament law of Moses at Mount Sinai when he, by God's instruction, led the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. But we're talking about thousands of years before then. And, 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 and yet, God told Adam, you don't eat the fruit of this particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Uh, what's the wages of sin again? Death. Adam and his wife broke that law. That was a spiritual law that, gave, that God gave to Adam. And he broke that law, and he sinned. And everything changed that day. And God expelled him and his wife from the garden, so they no longer had access to the tree of life in the garden. So physical death became a reality. And spiritual death had already taken place because sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 and verse 2. Okay, now, let's, let's ask the reverse question. For those who say Christ brought an end to law, we're not under law, we're under grace, was there no grace in the Old Testament? 
Of course, God's grace was exhibited repeatedly, continually in the Old Testament times. Look at this, Genesis chapter 6. We're talking about a period of time when all mankind, with the exception of Noah and his family, eight souls, all mankind had become engulfed in sin, wicked. In fact, what does, what does verse 5 say? Genesis 6 and verse 5. Then the, law, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every, notice this, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. My, everybody was evil. For everybody, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 6 says, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And he said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Oh, but the very next verse, verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God's grace was right there. Noah found grace in the eyes of the the Lord. God's grace was right there in Old Testament times. He was bestowing it upon mankind just as he bestows it upon mankind today. But God prophesied of the coming Savior, Genesis 3 and verse 15. We see numerous, and I'm not sure we've ever really recognized all of the Messianic prophecies, prophecies in the Old Testament scriptures pointing to the coming of the Savior in the person of Jesus Christ. But we know there are multiplied numbers of them. You can just read, I don't know how many, you could actually count out in just Isaiah chapter 53. And that's just one chapter. That's God's grace. He was already prophesying the coming Savior. That's God's grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, Genesis 6 and verse 8. Was it not by grace that God chose Israel to be his people? Of course it was. He raised up this people to be the bloodline through which the Savior would come into the world. That's God's grace. That was God's grace. It still is God's grace. When we think about Jesus Christ... And when you try to divide the Old Testament from the New Testament and make some kind of, of, of you know, well, that was one thing, you know, it was one law back there, and we're under completely, we are under a completely different, different spiritual law. But basically the whole Old Testament, and certainly from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 on, it's all pointing toward the ultimate fulfillment of God's grace in sending his son, Jesus Christ, into this world as the Savior to die on the cross for the 
to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Basically, the entire Old Testament points to, and all of those messianic prophecies, they're speaking of God's grace in the person of the coming Savior, Jesus Christ. God's grace is abundant, and it's always been abundant. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34, and just another example, and we could look at example after example after example, but let's read this particular verse. Proverbs Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 4. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Now, let's go back a little bit. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Uh, That's by God's grace, blessing by God's grace. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them in the tablet of your heart. Mercy, God's grace, and so find favor and high esteem. Favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. What is one way to define God's grace? His unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor and loving kindness toward mankind. Verse 5, Proverbs 3 and verse 4, it's picturing God's grace right there in Old Testament times. Well, we're going to stop and park here for a few, for, until tomorrow, and we'll come back and we'll look a little bit further. Along this subject line, Jesus Christ being the personification of God's grace. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your grace. There's no way we deserve it, but that's your grace. Thank you for it, Father. And please, we pray, help us to live up to it as much as we can. And we know we come up short, but please guide us and help us. And please continue to extend your grace upon us. Please, we pray, Father. Please, please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.